As we come to hear the word preached this morning, uh, we first have an affirmation of faith. We'll be reading from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, questions 23 through 26. You can find them in your bulletin, and I would like to invite you to read responsively with me. How is Christ our Redeemer? As our Redeemer, Christ is a prophet, priest, and king in both his humiliation and his exaltation. How is Christ a prophet? As a prophet, Christ reveals the will of God to us for our salvation by his word and spirit. How is Christ a priest? As a priest, Christ offered himself up once as a sacrifice for us to satisfy divine justice and to reconcile us to God and he continually intercedes for us. How is Christ a king? As a king, Christ brings us under his power, rules and defends us, and restrains and conquers all his and all our enemies. Amen. What we are reading there from the Westminster Shorter Catechism is part of our confessional standard of beliefs that we believe as a Presbyterian church. And this Advent, I'm going to be using these as kind of a template for our sermon series this season that we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks how Jesus fulfills these three offices or jobs that he came at Christmas to be our redeemer by perfectly being a prophet, a priest, and a king. And in fact, Jesus continues to be our prophet, our priest, and our king, even today as he is in heaven. And so this week, we're going to start by looking at Christ as our priest. And so yes, I'm sorry, we are going out of order, but being a priest fits much more nicely with our celebration of the Lord's Supper, which is today. And so when we think about Jesus as our priest, if you look in the Bible, where do we hear that Jesus is our priest? Almost all of the passages are concentrated in one place, and that is the New Testament book of Hebrews. That that book, more than any other, connects Jesus' saving work, what he did through his life, his death, his resurrection, to the Old Testament priesthood and sacrificial system. And so we could read the entire letter of Hebrews this morning, but we're not going to do that. And so we're going to limit ourselves to just a small section at the end of chapter 7 in the book of Hebrews. So let me invite you to open up your Bibles. We're in Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 23. This is also printed out in the bulletin if you'd like to look there or use your own Bible or device. Hebrews 7 verses 23 through 28 as it points us to Jesus as our priest. Hear the word. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession 
for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, O God, that you speak to us and how wonderfully the whole Bible holds together. That all that came in the Old Testament was pointing us forward. They were hints and shadows and prefigurings of what was to come in all its fullness in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, give us eyes to see today and ears to hear. I pray, O Lord, that you would use me in spite of my sin and weakness to faithfully proclaim your word and that your spirit would go forth in the power of the word to bring about change in us, O God, in answer to our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we are looking at Jesus as our priest. Next week we'll get prophet and then king and we'll be good. Okay, we've got our three, three jobs that Jesus has given. And so today the question I want on your mind is, how is Jesus the perfect priest we need? And I'm going to follow that up with three questions. I've got them printed out in your bulletin for you on our outline. But we're going to start with question number one that I hope is going through your mind. Do we really need a priest? We're Protestants, after all. That's like a Roman Catholic thing, isn't it? We have pastors and ministers or preachers or whatever else you want to call me. Just don't call me a priest. That's not what I am. So why would we, as a Protestant church, need a priest? What are priests even for? Okay, well, priests act as like a middleman or mediator between a sinful people and a holy God. Specifically, a priest acts on behalf of a sinful people to a holy God. That's kind of the backwards of what we'll see next week with prophets, that prophets speak on behalf of a holy God to a sinful people. So this is kind of a down-up sort of thing. So do we need that kind of middleman, that kind of mediator? Do we need a priest? Well, let's think through what did priests do in the Old Testament and Do they do the kinds of things that we need? So what what did people need in the Old Testament, and do we still need those things? We're going to focus on three needs. First, those people needed access to God, and the priest had access to God. That for the nation of Israel in Old Testament time, the priesthood was reserved for only certain people. They were the descendants of Aaron, who was Moses' brother that they and they alone would have access into the presence of God. They had permission to enter God's holy places. Now, this access was not just walk in anytime you want, say, hey, what's going on? It was very strictly regulated on certain days. 
But for a common person, the priest was much closer to God than you were. And so they needed access to God. That was one thing they needed. The second thing they needed was reconciliation with God. And priests made reconciliation possible. That every Israelite was a sinner who had broken the laws of a holy God. And their sin deserved death. But God provided a way for atonement to be made. That something, an animal, would die in place of the sinner so that God's justice, the punishment for sin, would be done and forgiveness would be possible and the sinner could be reconciled to God. And so the priests, as we read in our Old Testament reading, they were responsible for, is that the fatty part? What am I supposed to do with this? They were the butchers, in a sense, of the Old Testament. They would ensure that the sacrifices were performed to reconcile sinful people to God. That was the second thing they needed. So they needed access to God. They needed to be reconciled to God. The third thing, they needed help from God. And priests sought God's help for the people. They would regularly pray and cry out for God's people. So they wouldn't merely just like, all right, kill that bull, kill that sheep. You're good. Get out of here. No. They would pray. They would put their hands on the animal. They would pray, God, forgive the sins of this person who is offering these animals. They would also pray for the people on a regular basis. They would pray for their obedience. They would also instruct God's people in the law and serve as examples. Kind of, hey, I'm the holy priest. Do as I do. That's what they would do in the Old Testament to help people. So that's what they needed. They needed... Access to God, reconciliation with God, and they needed help from God. Do we have those needs today? And I think the answer would be yes. <clears throat> that we still want access to God. That people all around the world today want somehow to connect with the divine, to somehow set their, like, soul tuner to the right spiritual frequency to get in touch with whatever divine being there is. And we do it in all sorts of ways. Some people try to go into big vaulted cathedrals to get a sense of God's transcendence. Or maybe they go out into nature and see some beautiful vista and they feel in touch with the divine that we all seek some kind of access to some divine being. We are seeking out some meaning beyond our world. So yes, we have this sense of need that we want access to God. What about reconciliation? I mean, many, if not all of us, struggle with guilt and shame for our sins or for sins that others have committed against us. And so people today seek reconciliation with God or they just seek atonement for their guilt. They might go to counseling or sit with a therapist to deal with their guilt. They might try to do some good to outweigh their past wrongs. They might even go seek out a priest to confess their sins and hear that you indeed are forgiven. They want to hear that I am reconciled to God. I am a good person. I am okay. What about do we still need help from God? Well, yes, we all want some kind of spiritual wisdom or direction from someone. The bookshelves are full in whatever bookstores still exist 
of spiritual gurus telling you here are five tips to grow closer to God or seven ways to live a blessed life now, whatever it may be. We want people to pray for us. We just did that in our service. And so we all deeply desire help from God and we seek out people, people who will offer that kind of help. And so really, we still need what the people of old needed from a priest. We still need someone to represent us before God. We need some kind of middleman, some kind of mediator to plead our case, to advocate for us. And our scripture passage tells us, even though we don't have a priest right here serving, we do have a priest in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but when you think about Jesus, I am guessing that priest is not one of the first words that comes to mind. That Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my helper. He is my friend, my rock. Like we, we got all sorts of ways we could describe Jesus, but priest is not always one of those ways. And yet, our passage in Hebrews 7 shows us He is our priest. And He points out, two ways that Jesus is uniquely suited to be our perfect priest. The first way is in verses 23 through 25 of chapter 7. We are told that Jesus is a better priest because he lives forever. So the author writes, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Now that sounds pretty obvious. There were lots of different priests in the Old Testament because, well, they kept dying and they needed to be replaced. And so Aaron eventually died and his sons became priests and their sons became priests and their sons became priests and on and on and on because they all died. But Jesus is different. Verse 24 tells us, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. So even though Jesus died, he rose again with an indestructible life. And he continues to live in heaven forever where he can serve as our permanent priest. And so not only will Jesus never die, Jesus never needs a day off. Jesus never calls in sick and is like, hey, can't be your priest today. I've got a bad cold. Doesn't happen to Jesus. He is on the priestly job now and forever and he's doing it for you. That's what he's driving at in verse 25 here. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. This idea of saving to the uttermost implies that Jesus is able to ensure that his people are saved forever. That he is capable of taking our salvation to its completion. That he is going to be sure that job is finished. He's not going to stop halfway. In a much smaller way. This makes me think of our dentist. I know this sounds weird. I love our dentist. Because I've had some really bad dentists in the past and all of this. And I like our guy right now. He takes care of our teeth. He does a really good job. He's fast. He's friendly. But he's also in his late 60s, if not older. And he could retire at any time. What then becomes of my teeth? Like I have to find someone new. 
And I hope that dentist is just as good. Because I feel like I might need a dentist more later in life. I don't know. I still like candy. And so how wonderful is it to know that Jesus doesn't retire? That Jesus will always be our priest. That till our dying day and beyond, that for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, literally forever, Jesus will be our priest. Always. And we can always look to Him. And so that's the first important way. Jesus is uniquely suited to be our priest. He is always our priest. He lives forever. The second important way that Jesus is uniquely suited to be our priest is that Jesus is without sin. And because He is without sin, He is free to enter the presence of God. That every other priest in Israel's history was a sinner. As we saw in the Old Testament reading, the priests would have to offer sacrifices for their own sin before they could offer sacrifices for other people's sin. But Hebrews says this, He, Jesus, has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for His own sins and then for those of the people. Jesus didn't have to do that because He was without sin. See, priests were tasked with reconciling sinful people to God. The problem is, they had to get reconciled first. But Jesus doesn't have to do that. He is perfectly righteous and therefore always in a right relationship with God. Verse 26 said, He is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. And so Jesus is always there in heaven, perfectly righteous, never needing to make multiple sacrifices. That He didn't just make an earthly sacrifice with an animal here on an earthly temple. He offered His sacrifice and brought His blood up to heaven, to the very presence of God. That Jesus has access to where God truly resides. And so Jesus is perfectly suited to plead our case because He is welcome in the presence of God. See, the high priests back in the day were only permitted to enter the presence of God after washing themselves, making a sacrifice for themselves, bringing blood into the, the holiest place. And then, and only then, for just a very short amount of time, on a very specific day, could they be in the presence of God. But Jesus, Jesus is always there. That is where Jesus is. That is where Jesus resides, at the right hand of the Father. And so instead of having a priest who is guilty of his own sins, we have a priest who is without any sin and able to be our perfect priest forever, serving in the presence of God. So the Bible here is telling us that Jesus is our priest. And He fulfills that role better than anyone else ever could have. But do we actually feel like we need a priest? How does Jesus being our priest actually help us today? Why does it matter that He is our priest? Well, let's go back to those three needs. How does Jesus meet those needs for us? First, we have that need of access to God. Well, not only does Jesus have continual access to God, what's more is He invites us to draw near to God even though we are sinners. Look again at our New Testament reading from Hebrews 4. It says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace 
we get to draw near to God. Access to God because of Jesus our priest. That we draw near with Him. See, when the Old Testament priests entered the temple or the tabernacle, they did so alone. And they did so likely with great trepidation and fear, understanding that they are sinners. Who are they to go into the presence of a holy God? Now, we still revere the Lord. We still fear the Lord. But we are also told we can draw near with confidence because we have a sinless one who brings us in. And he assures us, no, no, no. The way is open. Come with me into the presence of God. And so he meets that need for access to God. Jesus gives us access. That brings us to the second need. Part of the reason Jesus can bring us access is because he makes reconciliation with God for us. The reason we draw near is he has reconciled us through his sacrificial death. That Jesus was both priest and sacrifice when he died on the cross. That as priest, he offered himself up as the sacrifice in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. And let me tell you, he is way better than any bull or goat. Even if you have like a really good bull or goat that you like, Jesus is better. Because instead of just being spotless and like, oh, he's a really nice looking goat. Jesus is perfectly morally righteous. He is not merely nice to look at on the outside. He is morally pure. And His innocent blood atones for our sins. So as the Catechism says, God's justice is satisfied and we are reconciled to God. And Jesus is still in heaven now interceding for us. It doesn't mean that Jesus is up there trying to hold back an angry God like, no, don't smite Him. No, don't smite Him. No, don't do that. No, He's telling the Father what the Father wants to hear. Hey, these are... Your children you've adopted. That they're forgiven. And He is delighted because it's the Father who sent Jesus to do that. He is not trying to hold back an angry God. He is delighting to tell Him they have been saved as we planned. And Jesus continually pleads that we would remain sinful people and receive all of the benefits of being saved people. He testifies in heaven that we who believe in Him should no longer be seen as sinners, but we are God's children now. And so He reconciles us to God. And that leaves us with the third need that He helps us with God. Since we are God's adopted children, the Lord has mercy on us and delights to help us. See, as we saw in our New Testament reading, we were told Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, and He is able to sympathize with us in our temptations. He knows what it is like to have a younger sibling be annoying to Him. He knows what it is like to have people say something behind His back. He knows what it is like to be tempted with greed, with power, with lust. He knows all of those temptations. He knows how difficult it is to resist those temptations, not because He ever gave in. No, the reason He knows is He never gave in. You see, when we get tempted, we give in when it's hard. 
So we don't actually know how hard resisting temptation is because we've never gone past the hard moment. Jesus always lived past the hard moment. He knows just how difficult it is to resist temptation. And so He knows best how to strengthen us for holiness. He mercifully helps us in our weakness when we cry out to Him and say, Lord, I am tempted to sin. Help me obey You, O God. He not only shows us, here's the way to live, look at me, but He says, no, I'm going to give You my Spirit to strengthen You to spiritually walk in obedience more and more until the day I come back. I will help you in your fight against sin. Now these needs are wonderfully met for us who are Christians because Jesus is our priest. But they are benefits that we can take for granted as priestless Protestants. That we can think to ourselves, oh, I mean, of course, I can pray directly to God and God will listen to me. Can you? Why? Or we might think, of course, God is going to forgive me my sins when I ask Him because He's a nice guy like that. Is He? Why? Or maybe we might think, of course, God will help me when I ask Him to help me. Why? Why can you think any of those things? The only way The only way we have any right to think any one of those things is if Jesus is our priest. We have no right to have access to God apart from Jesus. No ability to be reconciled to God apart from Jesus. No reason for God to help us other than Jesus being our priest. And so listen, we are not priestless people. We have a priest. And his name is Jesus. And we celebrate this Christmas season that God sent us a perfect priest who was made like us in every single way, yet he is without sin. He experienced all of the temptations you experience, and yet he resisted them all. And this priest offered himself as the sacrifice in your place to be reconciled to God. And he wants you to to help you as you live for God now. He wants to help you draw near to God to receive mercy at the throne of grace. This is our priest, Jesus Christ, who meets all of our needs. Thanks be to God that when the Father sent the Son, He sent us exactly what we needed. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank You for sending us so great a priest in Jesus. We thank You, Lord, that... You show us in the Old Testament these these shadows of what kind of priest we would need, and, and you show us now the fulfillment. We are certainly thankful that we don't need to be shedding the blood of animals anymore for forgiveness of sin. But we are humbled by the fact that Jesus, the perfect Son of God, had to shed His blood and die that we can be forgiven. Thank You, Lord. Give us confidence to draw near to Your throne, not because... We deserve to be heard, but because we have a great priest who brings us near, that we never forget our need of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.